Magalhaes to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner. Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. A stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Hello and welcome to the Saints FC podcast. Uh, I am your host this evening, John Bailey, and with uh, me I have, as always, the illustrious Mr. Tom Parker. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you doing, John? Yeah, not too bad. Um, Tom, I'm going to try and do a proper podcast intro here and like tell people stuff that they may find of use. Um, like, if you want to get in contact with those of us at Saints FC podcast, we are on Twitter. We can do that at Saints FC Podcast. So, yeah, find us there. Or you can even email us, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Now, obviously, with a podcast, the most important thing you can do is like it, subscribe to us, and give us a review on iTunes. That would be very, very, very welcome. We'd like that very much. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you should be able to kind of download and subscribe at iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, um, on Android phones, wherever wherever you normally get your podcasts, you can normally find it. Or alternatively, you can listen through your web browser at saintsfcpod.libsyn.com. Anyway, enough of that. Um, this season has come to an end, Tom. Not before time. Yeah, I, I always feel a bit kind of mournful for the end of the football season. Um, I'm sad we're not going to have any more football basically until August for the Saints. I mean, that's obviously not including um, not including uh, pre-season, but you know, no summer tournament to get excited about. Yeah, sad times. I, I don't know, as an England football fan, if there's ever a summer tournament to get excited about, to be honest. It's, yeah, I think the season has ended like it started, which was a collective sort of year. Yeah. Right, so I, I think, you know, let's just get stuck into it. So let's go with a bit of chronological approach to this. Um, so I would say we should start in August, but actually we should probably start in pre-season. So Ronald Koeman goes. How do you feel about that? I think we were all pretty gutted at the time, but then I think it became clear that he just w- wanted loads more money. And I think he doesn't really you know he wants a Barcelona job doesn't he yeah. Everton's a stepping stone and another, uh, another stepping stone and it, it, what I like is at the end of the day he still did worse than last season and that's the most important thing yeah so okay right yeah he did he did didn't he, he finished seventh yeah and he finished sixth with Saints he's going backwards oh uh, he is Ronald Koeman he might not get that Barcelona job after all who knows he'll definitely take uh, Virgil yeah. if he does so anyway then um Southampton. Did we sell any players in the summer? I can't remember now. Sadio. Sadio Mane. Victor. Victor Wanyama. Part of the team. Graziano Pella. Graziano Pella. I mean, in, in Sadio Mane, they lost a true... I mean, he was inconsistent, and he's definitely stepped up a level. Yeah. At, at Liverpool, actually, you could probably say, say about Wanyama. But you lost a player that terrified people and that could turn a game, and, and I don't think we really replaced that. No. So, anyways, then we've got... Um, French manager comes in, has a very kind of impressive record uh, on the continent, pretty well respected in France. Uh, we bring in some big name signings, Sufiane Buffal for, what was it, 19 million quid, something Tw- like that? 21, was it 21 million quid? Okay. Um, so, you know, but, but I think as a Saints fan, you're feeling pretty optimistic at the start of the season. We're in European competition, we've had a good season last season. Yeah, we've lost some players, we've lost a manager, but let's face it, we're kind of used to that as. Southampton fans and and I think most of us probably expected you know a reasonable season I mean what would you have said at the start of the season that you'd be you know, what would you have settled for if someone offered you you probably would have settled for I mean this is the the crazy dynamic isn't it being a football fan if someone said you're going to finish in 8th position and you're going to go to Wembley for a cup final can't say how you're going to do but you'll be at Wembley for a cup final would you take it I bet you 90% of Saints fans would have snapped your arm off and I think I'd have been in that number I, 
that would have represented progress. I think everyone wanted to see. And one of the main things people had against Coombe was he didn't take the cups. Didn't seem to have cared, did he, about the no. cups? Um, so I think a lot of Saints fans would have taken that. And I, I think that, you know, we all knew at the start of the season that Chelsea weren't going to have a bad season again. So we knew this, the top six would probably, plus Leicester maybe, you know, go back to the old order. So it was always going to be really tough for Saints. Yeah. Um, so anyway, well, let's see how we, we started off the season. Um, in August, we drew to Watford, lost to Man United, drew with Sunderland, lost to Arsenal. Things are looking pretty bleak in the Premier League at this point. And then we went out and beat Sparta Prague 3-0. And I think that was probably the first highlight of the season for me. Yeah, I think so. I think that the the way we started was very slow. And I think what we thought at the time was, this is just, you know, it's okay. They're learning the system. You know, they're going to get faster. They're going to build the pace more. Um, And they didn't. Um, But you're right, Spot Prague, big highlight. Easy easy win, really, which I kind of showed... You know, within the Premier League, we see leagues within the league, and I think within the Europa League, you saw leagues within yeah. the, the tiny, the tiny little teams. Then we got our first Premier League win against Swansea, one nil. Um, beat Palace in the EFL Cup, and then beat West Ham United at the Olympic Stadium, three nil. That for me, after that game, I was feeling pretty positive about things. Yeah, and I think we'd seen the youth come through as well with uh, the Palace game, hadn't we? I, I think. You'd, You'd seen, you know, Hesketh and, and these players, and and maybe it did feel like Saints had the manager that was going to do what we wanted, which was blood the young players, bring them through, don't be afraid uh, to play them, um, and to get results. And I think at, at the time we, it's easy to look back at these results, but if we just skip back a month, you look at that, we dropped four points at home to Sunderland and Watford, two teams that are dire. Uh, come the end of the season that is the story of, of the season yeah. and it was writ early um, but you're right I think the the West Ham game you know we murdered them yeah then there was the game against the Hapwell beer shavers um, and I've got to say like that was one of the most dull games of football and probably at that point you thought oh it's a long journey out to Israel it's nil nil you know, this is not necessarily a sign of things to come. It's it's just like here here we go, nil nil, difficult away game, write it off. But it it was a dull dull it, game. It was terrible. But I think at, at the same time, you know, you could make a very good argument that this was another sign of a very tactically astute manager. You don't need to win every game in in the Europa Cup. You need to not like everything. You draw your away games and you win your home games. And it showed to be a man that was quite pragmatic. So whilst, you know, it, it was easily one of the most boring matches I've ever watched, um, it, it did kind of make you feel, hang on, you know, maybe this guy knows what he's doing. He's experienced in Europe. He's, he's been difficult away journeys before. This is the kind of manager you want. And then, so, we, do we draw at Leicester? And then we um, uh, went and beat Burnley 3-1 at home. Which was a really good game. Yeah. And, and that's all Sam McQueen come in that game. And then it was Milan. Now, Tom, yeah. I unfortunately had to be away for work for this one, so I missed out. Do you want to tell us about your trip to Milan? Oh, it was amazing. Like, it was one of those moments. We've all been, you know, we, I, I've been fortunate to be at, I, I'm not, I don't go to as many games as John, but I've been fortunate, I think, to be at some of the seminal games, the games that people really remember. I was at Delhurst Park. Um, I was at the last game at the Dell. Um, I was at the AFL final and I was at um, at the San Siro and it was amazing you know because I think there was a genuine feeling of it was the the result almost didn't matter I think because it was how far have we come we're here and you know we are going to go out and play the game that they wanted to go and play and I I thought we were really unlucky but the occasion was amazing and I think if we take positives from it, one of the real positives was I think that was when you saw James Ward-Prowse come out and show that he can actually be a bit of a player um, and be do it, do it on the top stage. So, sad result, but yeah, we deserve more. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, Southampton played pretty well in that game. I th- you know, they had most of the chances. And, you know, this was kind of a bit of a story of Southampton at this point. I think we weren't conceding many chances, 
but we also weren't scoring many of the chances that we were, that we were creating. And there was a bit of frustration kind of there creeping in. Um, we got a draw uh, in Manchester against Manchester City, where Redmond capitalised on, yeah. a, on a defensive error. And again, we looked good. Yeah. Then we lost to Chelsea, which, to be honest, I watched that game and I just thought, you know what? Yeah, they're, they're probably going to win the league. And... Um, oh, I've missed out on the EFL Cup game though. The the beating Sunderland not very convincingly one 0 with that Buffal wonder strike. That was it. That was your twenty one million pound for the season. Yeah, so I hope we all enjoyed that. I I really did enjoy it. I mean, it was the most awful game to watch again. Yeah, you know, just turgid performance, not very exciting. But then you know, undone by this absolute beautiful moment from from Buffal. And you've got to say fair play to him. Yeah, the, the following game against Chelsea, I really thought, well, that's it. They're, they're definitely going to win the league. And then we had Inter Milan at home. Again, we'll, we'll do a summary of, of what we really feel about this season. But we beat Inter Milan. Yeah. I just like let that, you know, let that sink in that we beat Inter Milan. And I think one of the most amazing things about that game was obviously Virgil van Dijk's just desire and hunger uh, this was a time as well when he looked like our best forward, yeah, which was worrying because he looked like the only bloke who actually knew where the back of the net was, and he scored obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, well, to, to be honest, at this point in the season, I think Virgil looked like our best defender, our best midfielder, absolutely. and our best forward. You could have literally played him anywhere on the pitch, and he he would have been the best of the bunch. And, and we saw another terrible Tadic penalty as well. Yeah, in that game. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of like almost everything that was good and bad about Saints season in one game um, you know terrible penalties really bad finishing great from Virgil van Dijk yeah where do you where do you stop yeah um, so I think you know that that's probably a, a moment to save and I remember kind of like walking back from St Mary's to the train station with my brother and just thinking you know we've just beaten into Milan like you know whatever happens for the rest of the season like Southampton beat into Milan and I don't think we should forget that but again, it was one of those performances which was a bit kind of like if Virgil van Dijk hadn't you know, decided to basically win the game on his own, yep. it, it would have been probably, what, 1-1? Yeah, and I, I, it, was a t- it was the sort of turgid nature of the yeah. performance. And I, that was you know, what we saw early on against Sunderland and Watford. That kind of became, the, the, the sad thing was that became the norm, really, with isolated pockets of brilliance. Yeah. Um, so moving on from that, we then lost to Hull City. Terrible. I mean, that, that was a bit of a shock. I probably want to move on from that. Drew with Liverpool, nil-nil at home. Then lost to Sparta Prague in Prague, which I, I wasn't expecting us to lose that game. And I was feeling pretty disappointed. But then we got one over on Ronald Koeman with, uh, was that Josh Sims debut on that day or was it just the first time he really made a big impression on the pitch I think it was a debut yeah um, Josh Sims is again one of the enigmas of I think there are many enigmas for Saints this season I think Josh Sims is definitely one of them a player that every time he got on the pitch he actually looked really dangerous and a player that had genuine impact uh, Footballers, I think, no matter where you're in the world, they don't like people that can run at them with pace. Very few people can actually deal with it. Um, you know, you and I actually were at the Arsenal game, and the worst thing that happened to Saints that night was um, the fullback getting injured for Arsenal. So it meant was it it meant Debussy came on, yeah, and, and he Debussy, could just deal with the pace, he could just deal he? with the pace, because before that they couldn't handle the pace of Redmond and Bertrand, but. Going back to Sims, he has changed games. When Saints have called upon him, he has changed games. He changed the Everton game. He changed the Liverpool game. And I think he's probably sat there and gone, like, scratching his head a little bit at a certain Moroccan. Yeah, why have I not got in the side there? Yeah. Um, so that was really, really exciting. Austin put the ball away. We beat Ronald Koeman. That felt like very much like vindication. I, I'd say that was actually one of the highlights of the season for me was getting one over on the guy who kind of, you know, it's like uh, you know the the girl who's dumped you, <laughs> and then uh, you know somehow get your revenge in the future. I would agree um, with that. So moving on from that, I then thoroughly enjoyed my trip to the Emirates. 
in the EFL Cup quarter final. That was a yeah. That was another good. I don't, to be honest, I love going to the Emirates. I don't think I've ever seen us lose at the Emirates. I don't know if I just pick the games well, but I think they had their own little mini. Well, everyone knows about Arsenal this season, yeah. but again, it it felt like we played with a real passion, a real drive, and a real focus and pace that we sort of can. It's weird. It's almost like the opposite to Kuma. We were to raise our game for the cups yeah. at times, but they'd not do it consistently in the league. It just kind of made no sense. And it, you know, it was a Classy and Bertrand getting two great goals. And so then you're like feeling really positive. And then we go and lose to Crystal Palace 3 0. At a time when Crystal Palace. Can buy a goal, yeah. yeah, they can score, they can win, they can draw. They, they were just in all sorts of trouble, yet somehow managed to get a 3 0 result against us. Yeah, and that was with, I think, Fraser's. You know, when people started to have real doubts about a previous, you know, the guy who was the wall. Yeah. Uh, having real doubts he just seemed to lose his mind it seems to be something that can happen to keepers and maybe we'll come back to Forster later on the show and then later on that week the Thursday night we had the Hapwell beer shavers uh, down at St Mary's we needed a nil-nil or better basically to to get through Um, and to be honest We'd beaten Prague 3-1 at, uh, 3-0 at home. We'd beaten Inter Milan 2-1 at home. You'd have thought you'd go out there, play attacking football, probably put three or four past them. You know, If they score, so what? You'll have you know, a couple more goals than they will at the end playing you know, high-paced attacking football. And you qualify. Isn't that right, Tom? Supposedly. Um, it's just so... It was so dire, wasn't it? And again, Virgil came in at the end and tried to rescue it as best he could but it was just so we were so cautious yeah uh, we were at home you know, we were in charge like it's our house who are you know who are these these guys that no one had ever heard of until they got drawn like in terms of no one had ever heard of them until they got drawn out of the hat again to play us um, and we just looked so impotent going forward yeah and it, it was so frustrating it, it was a very it was just the manner, and I think we'll come on to this later. The the manner of the defeat was what kills you. It, it's that, you know, I'm just looking at some stuff here. Israeli team would never be in any, uh, uh, you know, they'd never won a European game on English soil. Uh, English sides had never lost against an Israeli team. Like, it was so saint to go out and, and you know, and to screw this up. Um, and I think it, you know, it really showed the absence of Fonte. And this quite weird strategy of playing, of not playing a bloke who looked like our fittest player, pretty much, and who's absolutely a man mountain, and not playing him in the games where you really need it. This is a guy who's just won the European Championships. He's yeah. played against players from all over the continent, and we're playing against players from all over the continent. And the guy we've got who's just won the bloody thing is sat on the bench. It drives you mad. And I think it drove Jose Font mad as well yeah. um, so, so mad he so mad went he to West Ham <laughs> it's not Man United is it Jose? no oh. I mean that is just like gutting isn't it that your captain and kind of a guy who'd been a talisman of coming up for those double promotions yeah it was really really fondly thought of by all the Southampton fans and then you know he gets rested for all of these Europa League games which I mean I imagine for Jose, probably Southampton being in the Europa League, being in the group stages, having these opportunities to play against the likes of Milan um, and you know Prague and, and playing abroad with Southampton would have meant more to him than probably anyone else. Yeah, it was the journey. Yeah, and I think he was denied his um, his his role in that journey, and I, you never know what's going to happen in football. You never really know what he uh, he has said. Matt Letizia on Sky Sports Saturday said, well, you know, there's a lot going on here and he's not behaved in a very captain-like manner. Um, you never want to question Matt's view or his knowledge. He knows mm. more about the club than anyone. But um, at the same time, like, we lost the, we lost games because we didn't have leaders, I think. And, and say what you like about Jose Fonte, he's flash and all this, but the guy's a leader, the guy's a winner. Yeah. And, and we needed him, we didn't have him. So that that was probably the the first real major major disappointment of the season I think you know to be out of that competition and 
it was also it showed that the Southampton way the the plan wasn't always going to work um, you know we basically brought Claude Puel in because he does have the knowledge of European football he does know how to um, compete on several different fronts um, and it didn't work out in the Europa League and you know there's a couple of you know sweet victories to take away from that campaign but you know a couple of pretty disappointing uh, results and ultimately a disappointing exit uh, from the Europa League um, and then we then get back to business um, in the Premier League by beating Middlesbrough I think that was Buffal's second goal for Saints yeah he just kind of hit it didn't he yeah there's another quite nice finish it's a nice finish yeah um, a nil-nil against Stoke away which I think you know most predictable Fair result enough, yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and then we beat Bournemouth 3-1. Yeah. It's false dawn, wasn't it? Like, it felt like it was all coming together. Yeah. Uh, Bournemouth, you're like, oh, God, wow, look, actually, you know what? Rodriguez is back. And, yeah. And, like, we look really dynamic. We look full of pace. But also, Bournemouth, I think, from memory, they were a terrible run of form at the time. Really atrocious. Um, and, again, I, I think it kind of flattered us. And this season we got bought whenever we seem to have something good happen to us we got bought down to earth very quickly mm. and the next game was yeah. pretty much the, one of the worst performances I remember, of, of, yeah. apart from the first 20 minutes the, I mean the first 20 minutes were fantastic and I was I stood there in the in the um, stadium watching us go 1-0 up against Tottenham Hotspur who you know were mounting a title challenge for the second season running and we played brilliantly for those first 20 minutes. And then something happened. And it was like you hit a switch. I, I think it may have been the Tottenham equaliser was a little bit against the run of play. And it just went horribly, horribly downhill from there. They just uh, We looked very outclassed. I think if you want to see a game which kind of summed up the two-tiered Premier League. And I think, John, you've got some really good stats uh, that show this. Um, this was it, wasn't it? Like we got murdered yeah. by a team that just was so much better than us. Yeah. Uh, like almost like if you watch like you know division like three team against like a Premier. Yeah. yeah. Look the the gulf in quality after the first twenty minutes, and I think the energy ran out. Yeah. We just looked so so sluggish and so we, poor. I mean, we, which is so upsetting as well because you think you know we were the last side to win at White Hart Lane. That you know the last time we'd played Tottenham. We'd won. Stephen Davis had a great game. You know, we'd we'd competed with a side that had been in the title race. Um, we then lost at home to West Brom. God, and that was that was like when Hal Robson Carney. Yeah. Like, if you you like plot what Hal Robson Carney has done, he in the last like since Europe, he did that and the goal in the, in the European Championships with really yeah. the Cruyff turn. And, but again, that was where you felt Fraser Forster could have. Could have got that ball. It's, it's like with Patrick Bamford as well, isn't it? You know. Oh yeah. Well, we were joking about this, weren't we? Yeah. we were saying Patrick Bamford, a man who has not scored in like four years, uh, who is a centre forward, uh, will score against Saints. Yeah. And lo, it came. Then, then we lost Everton three 0 Yeah. Normal yeah. service resumed. Yeah. That that was not nice uh, to watch. And then we lost to Burnley. So, you know, we'd gone on this kind of like reasonable run um, in the league, picked up quite a few points, and then four defeats in a row. Yeah. Pretty bad news at this point. Um, yeah, and I think the Burnley game, again, I use the, I use the word again, the word impotent. Like, we just look so stunted up front, so devoid of ideas. And then Joey bloody Barton... Scoring a direct free kick, which again was looked like a really pony free kick that somehow managed to make it in and beat Fraser Forster. It's just so lacklustre. Yeah. And at this point, the Jose is Jose gone at this point, or is he? He's maybe he's on. I think he's starting. Yeah, he's he's unofficial strike. Um, but you know things are not looking great at this point. Um. We then get a visit from the incredibly out-of-form Leicester City. Yeah, and this was where the season really went, because this is where Jamie Vardy kicks 
Virgil. Oh, yeah, of course. And we lose, and we lose Virgil, and we lose our. Uh, we lose probably the only player we've got that can really mix it in amongst the top top player. Maybe Bertrand. I think you could argue and yeah. Romay, but we lose the player that gives us a world class dimension. He's he's probably the only player in the squad that will go on to play for one of Europe's kind of like big four or five sides. I think. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not anytime soon, though. No, we'll we'll keep him for a bit longer. Um, Lose to Swansea. Oh, how does that happen? And then lose 3-1 to West Ham at home, which was kind of like... It was a a very, very disappointing result, but there was a moment on that day when you just thought, hold on, this is very exciting. Manolo Gabbiadini... Were you there that day? I was there that day. And I had a fantastic view. How hard did he hit it? I mean, I would say I was in the um, Itchen stand. So he was on the opposite side. He was on the Kingsland corner coming towards goal. And he just thought, is he going to shoot? And just Nothing else wham, did he? It just straight in. It was astonishing. Yeah. When you saw that finish, you just thought... God, I mean, this guy is fantastic. You thought, how on earth have we managed to get him for nothing? And he looked lively the whole game. Um, you know, it's very disappointing to lose 3-1, especially to West Ham United. Nobody ever likes losing to West Ham. And they Ham. were rubbish at the time, weren't they? Yeah. And Andy Carroll's goal, which is always horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, t- took his goal very well there, Andy Carroll. He did, yeah. But you felt kind of like, OK, there might be a little kind of silver line here. You, you think all these chances that we've created this season... And failed to put away. Maybe this guy's going to be our saviour. Um, I was very excited about it. And then we go up to Sunderland. And finally... It all clicks. It all clicks. We score loads of goals. 4-0 away from home. You know, you can't get much happier than that. But, um, my word. You know what? I've just realised that I've been looking at our Premier League fixtures. And we've missed probably two of the most important fixtures of the season. In our chat Liverpool, so far, Liverpool away in the uh, Liverpool at home in the EFL Cup. Yeah, so far, right, Liverpool, and Liverpool away. away yeah. Well, Liverpool at home is great, but Liverpool away, like Josh Sims. Yeah, that moment. I like what a moment. Almost felt like winning it. You know, it, it felt like you won. I was in I was in Seattle yeah. with work, and because eight hour time difference, so I was in a meeting. I was on my phone. <laughs> serious I, yeah and I was like desperately looking at my phone like just and I thought we you know I knew we were 1-0 up no I knew it was 0-0 and I yeah. thought that, yeah, Liverpool were definitely going to score like there's no way Liverpool aren't going to mm. score and if they score they'll go on to win yeah because that, that's just how football goes I just I, I was, I was palpitations at the end but Sims yeah I think we'll come on to talk about players we want to see more of and, yeah oh, I think they, my one might be quite obvious I mean my brother and I were sat where you and I are sat right now in, in my front room watching that on the screen that is just over there on that wall and when Josh Sims broke away passed the ball through to Shane Long and Shane Long did what Shane Long did for the entire last half of last season with so much ease oh, it, was, it, it did it, it literally felt like you know it was the last minute and there's also the fact that at that point you knew there's no way that Liverpool were going to yep. come back from it We'd kind of pretty much taken a bit of a battering for 90 minutes. And you knew, brilliant, we're going to Wembley. did uh, some sort of Matrix-esque save where yeah. he managed to spin time back on itself. It was an amazing moment. I, it, the, that, there was that thing when the meme that went around where they put, my heart will go on. But, oh, God, it was amazing. and you just Because it, it had so much, didn't it? It had Josh Sims just picking up the ball and with that thing that only young players can do, go, there's a big load of space. I'm not going to whack the ball. I'm just going to run because I'm faster and I'm fresh and no one else is is faster than me on this pitch. Yeah. And then he he actually made the pass and Shane Long and yeah, and also one of the great things was it was right in front of the Saints fans. Like it was it yeah. couldn't have been closer to the no. Saints fans. Ah, oh, what a moment. I that 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 was the absolute that was the best moment of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Cuz it felt like uh they'd won it. Yeah. Even though you knew they hadn't, but it just felt like that. I mean, but the, the fact that you knew we were going to Wembley, um, obviously you knew it was going to be against Man United and not against Hull. My God, how good of that would that have been? There's no guarantees. We'd no. Be, would we be in Hull? Who knows? Who knows? We would have been. We would have done if we'd played like we'd played on the day. Yeah. Um, 
And at that point, I was so delighted. And I was thinking back, and I think I was having a chat with you about no matter how good Kuman and Pochettino had been as our managers, they hadn't delivered us to a Wembley final. They hadn't even got us close to a Wembley final. Um, and that was, was, was seriously, seriously exciting. And I was feeling pretty excited about everything at that point. Um, and obviously then you're just trying to work out, have I been to enough home games this season? What are they going to do with the tickets? Are we going to be able to get tickets? Do we have enough memberships in the family? Like, you know, who's going to go? Who's going to miss out? Is my dad going to be able to go? Oh, is my brother going to, you know? Um, and I think, I think it was probably on the back of that that I bought the uh, the West Ham Yeah, didn't you tickets. buy it like on the, the day or the, the evening before? Yeah. Just I was, to make up your numbers. Yeah, I just to needed go. to get to that. I wanted to be in that first yeah. wave of uh, membership. So, um, oh, well. Yeah, you, you make your sacrifices. I was so happy to go to Wembley. Yeah, it felt great, didn't it? Yeah. And, it felt great. And to have that 4-0 victory against Sunderland before that game, before the final. And Gabbiadini. And Gabbiadini. Scoring two, well, one very, very good yeah. goal. Um, it just felt, I think, I think, yeah, in that kind of romantic way, you kind of hope they'd clicked and you hope they kind of, maybe he's worked out just in time for the biggest game in, you know, since the last finals yeah. in 13 years, 14 years, maybe he's just worked out just in time. I think he kind of did. Yeah. Um, so what were your memories? Because you were obviously in the Saints fans, I was with Club Wembley. What was it like for you? I mean, it, it was phenomenal. But the whole the whole day, the whole experience is phenomenal, you know. Um, getting across London, getting on the tube. Once you're kind of getting on the tube and you can see the other Saints fans there, you're starting to see the stickers of Francis Bernali appearing you know, stuck on tube stops in windows of carriages. Um, you know, as you're walking towards the pub, you know, there's one on every single lamppost. You can see hundreds of Saints fans there, you know, having drinks, having pizzas, having burgers. You know, really, really exciting. And what was quite interesting about the day out at Wembley is kind of in that build-up to the stadium um, in the kind of hours before, there were practically no Manchester United fans about. It was all Saints you know, you could see that it meant an awful lot to the fans to be there. Yeah, I, it was a magical day. I, I, it was sad. I think when the first goal was disallowed, um, and then they just came out of nowhere with those two, you know, the Ibrahimovic free kick, which to the life of me, I don't know how he did it. And I still can't work out to this day if, if Fraser should have been able to get to it. My gut feeling says he should have been for a man yeah. of his size. And then the terrible defending for the Lingard goal. But we came back and I, I remember, you know, it's two all. And all of a sudden we had the, we had someone. It's yeah. probably like the first, like, like Ricky Lambert started. You remember when you were in like League One and the championship yeah. and you had Ricky Lambert and you knew it was always going to be okay because you had Ricky. Yeah. And you knew he was always going to score. And it didn't matter because he, he would always do it. And it felt probably... You know, I love Graziano, but he was a little bit inconsistent. At the time. This felt like the moment when um, we, you know, we could really we had someone. Yeah, here's the guy that can do it at the times when it counts. And man, when he got that second goal, when we pulled it back to two-two, I mean, I've got to admit, once Man United got that second goal, I kind of thought, oh, you know, this is it. It's all over. It's going to be like four-nil, yeah. whatever. It, it, it's going to be a complete disaster and you know it's nice to have got to this point but I wasn't feeling particularly confident but then yeah we got that goal was it just before half time and then the equaliser just after half time and you just thought wow game on yeah game on well it, it felt like game on at half time once we got the one yeah, back you're right, did, at 2-1 it felt like game on then when we got it to 2-2 that was the moment when I was just like Oh my word, we're actually going to win this. Putting the massive pressure throughout this game so far from crosses. Southampton looking for an equaliser. Yeah, it felt like we would. It felt like they were rocked. Um, it felt like they didn't want it as much. It felt like we had we had play we had enough players playing the games of their lives yeah. to win it. In terms of, I think Bertrand and Cedric were fantastic. Romeo, 
you know how that header just i mean yeah, four inches the other side yeah. and you know we we win that thing ward um, prowse as well ward prowse played what brilliantly gabby dini did everything it was awesome him um you just felt like they were going to do it and that but then there was the horrible inevitability about the goal the yeah. last Ibrahimovic goal where he's a winner and he is you know everything he has won everything he has done is similar to Ronaldo in that way people don't like it but the guy is a born winner and yeah. he dragged that team kicking and screaming to to win that tournament yeah but the final whistle goes I think we're all pretty disappointed but you couldn't fault the players and to be fair you couldn't fault the manager for the approach that we had to the game you know we went out there we scored three legitimate goals obviously one of them was chalked off because the FA must be owned by Manchester United yeah has to be a conspiracy I mean they they get they get all the all the decisions for them all the time isn't it I, I wonder if it's a result of the players and the managers you know from Fergie through to Mourinho just whinging all the time. You look at Mourinho this week, you know, like saying, he was, he said before the Saints game, something to the, along the lines of, you know, I've asked not to play this game. Like, what does he think? Does he think that because they're in the Europe, Europe Cup final, they suddenly just it's don't have get, to play Premier League games? It's absolutely like, ludicrous, it's, isn't like, it? But he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And yeah, you do feel they get decisions that just, if that had been, if that had been Ibrahimovic scoring that goal against, that, that we scored that mm. was chalked off never would have been given offside no way never because they don't want Rooney screaming in their face they don't no. want Mourinho slagging him off afterwards they they don't want it yeah um, so I mean there's there's an interesting question here about how was this season compared to 2002-2003 when we finished 8th on the table and got to a cup final I think the manner of our cup final defeat to Manchester United losing 3-2 at Wembley was better than the manner of our cup final defeat to Arsenal when we lost 1-0 in the yeah. Millennium Stadium. I, d- I mean, you were at that Millennium Stadium game. For me, the difference was at the Man United game, we looked like we could genuinely win. I always felt, and correct me if I'm wrong, we looked like also runs against a very, 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 very good Arsenal team. Yeah. I mean, that, that Arsenal team was one of the best sides that the Premier League has has ever seen. Um, and I think, you know, Gordon Strachan was on a damage limitation rather than a let's go out and win this. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, whereas I think, you know, Claude Puel approached the final with thinking, you know, we can win this. And, and quite rightly so, we, we very nearly did and had a couple of decisions gone our way. Had Romeo's head had gone a few inches the other side, it, it may have been a different story. Um, yeah. We probably need to move on from the cup final. Yeah, it's too sad. Yeah. Um, we then went and scored four goals in our second consecutive Premier League game against Watford. Yeah, a weird game. But yeah. again, in the goals. But we look and like Redmond looking deadly. Like the kind of the, they kind of they. What was great was that game was like, oh my god, they've not got a hangover from the League Cup final. They're playing exactly the same. All right, they've defended terribly, um, but they just went hell for leather against Watford. And you kind of think, you know, are we going to kick on? Are we going to have like, you know, we're out of Europe. We're out of you know, the League Cup now. Um, were we out of the FA Cup at this point as well? Mm. Yeah. We'd already gone. And you think, all right, so let's push on. We've only got the league to focus. Don't have to rotate anymore. And I think, you know, there's there's a lot of kind of, at this point, most people are giving Claude Puel the benefit of the doubt. There, there's been a few people that haven't liked him from the start. But I think at this point, everyone just thinks, right, you know, now's the time to shine. You know, there's there's no excuses anymore. We've got a good squad. You've so, you've shown that we can compete against some of the best sides. We played very well against Liverpool, knocked them out of the the cup. We'd played well against Arsenal, knocked them out of the cup. We played very well against Man United. Almost, almost won. The almost cup. won the cup. Beat Inter Milan. Beat Inter Milan. So you know, there's a lot of positives at this point in the season. And then you know, we go to White Hart Lane. We lose two one. I don't think you can be too disappointed with that and, and yeah, actually Spurs were a force by, yeah. by this time Spurs were and also we gave them a good yeah, game we did give them a good game and then uh, we went and drew it home to Bournemouth nil-nil which uh, obviously Harry Arter missed a penalty yeah um, has it hit the ground yet? I think I saw it earlier yeah um, but you know we we gave away nine penalties this season yeah that's, what that's, is that about? that's a phenomenal number of penalties um 
conceding six goals from those penalties. Uh, yeah, conceding six goals. So, uh, I don't know. There's something wrong with that, isn't there? When you when you concede nine penalties over 38 games, that's weird. It it is weird, isn't it? I and I've wondered: are, are we the side that gives away the most penalties in the league? But I actually think there have been a couple of teams that have given away more. But I think you might have to do a bit of googling there, Tom. Yeah. And we'll, we'll probably not we'll anyone. Who's, not anyone who's finished higher than us. No, I can't imagine. Um, but then obviously we have the conspiracy theorists' favourite penalty spots in the. Yep. Um, that one at the northern end, and uh, so nil against Bournemouth, pretty disappointing. But the next home game against Palace, three-one. I think you know that's probably on the face of it. That's the kind of result you would expect. But Palace were in a very, very good run at the time. I think they'd just beaten Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Well, I think they were on a. Well, they on like a terrible run, but then they beat Chelsea. It made no sense whatsoever. I can't remember. But again, like it was the, the manner they played was great. This was the football everyone wanted to see. You know, it's this flowing, attacking. You know, fullbacks bombing down the bombing down the wing. Um, I loved James Ward Prowse's goal. I it was one of my favourite goals this season. That and, and that and the, the Redmond goal against uh, Norwich when we won four three, where he sort of started it, goes to past two, and yeah, it was a great goal. I think. Um, do, do you mean against Watford? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, did I say Norwich? Yeah, yeah. Someone plays in yellow, but uh, uh, you know it was a brilliant goal. And, and I th- Redmond's coming field, picks it up on the edge of the centre circle, drifts past Barami, drifts past Kabul, plays it down the middle for Ward Prowse. If he can help it onto his right, Tadic has got a chance of putting the cross in. Tadic pulls it back. Redmond's low shot in off the post. I think if you look at the results at this point, um, West Ham game aside, well actually after the West Ham game, you know, beat Sunderland, lost but with glory against Man United. Beat Watford, lost but credibly against Spurs, right, drawing against Bournemouth, but beating Palace. This actually felt like a good run, and 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 it did feel like the um, the the EFL final was a moment where it clicked. We then went uh, yeah. to West Brom and got a one nil victory, a place we never seem to get a result. So I mean that that, and I think at that point, yeah, after those uh, three games, we had a pretty good run. Um, I think the podcast that we released following the victory against West Brom has had like twice as many listens as, as any other of our podcasts that we've put out there, um, which probably tells you, you know, that's that's the mood that you want. You know, the, yeah. you, the, everyone wanted you know, to talk about the Saints. We're doing well, hear about how we're doing well. There's a lot of positivity in the air at that point. It was an effort. You felt... Um you felt that Puel had taken time to get the team together, but you felt they gelled. You felt with Gabby Adina, they had the man that could score the goals, um, you know, ably supported by very good Charlie Austin. Um, it felt right. It felt like it was really coming together. Um, and it felt they'd learned how to grind out results, uh, like the West Brom game. So there was a lot to be positive about. Yeah, and... I think you were feeling pretty positive because I asked you what you thought would happen in the next couple of games and we had uh, Manchester City at home and Chelsea away and I think you kind of thought that we'd probably probably beat Manchester City. I think I said we'd concede seven and score two, losing one. No, I didn't at all, actually. (laughs) Um, And then we thought, oh, well, Southampton are going to make a real difference in the title race as well. We're going to throw a spanner in the works. Yeah. Yeah. We thought we were going to be like the guy who comes into the party and like knocks the beer keg over and yeah. steals the girls, but no. No. Um, so it was a pretty disappointing 3-0 loss at home to Manchester City. The 4-2 against Chelsea, I kind of felt like you know, we gave them a pretty good run in the first half. We were maybe unlucky to be 2-1 down at half-time. And although we lost 4-2 in the end... I just think we were beaten by a better side that day. Yeah, I'd agree. And um, I don't uh, think I don't uh, think you can fault yeah. the the effort of the players or the tactics, or whatever. It was just a better side against us. I mean, everyone lost to Chelsea, yeah. and not many people did it with the credit that we did. No. Um, and then we have Hull at home. So that, this is the one where you're really kind of like rubbing your hands together. Hull City haven't won away from home for ages. You know, we've scored two goals against Chelsea, who are pretty mean. We've scored a goal against West Brom in our you know, previous away game. This we scored the, three against oh, Palace. You know, this would be mad. And who would have thought at this point you could turn around and say you're not going to see another goal? Well, in fact, 
you're yeah. going to see two more goals. So For the whole whole what we're rest looking of at now, 29th of April. All right, we played a lot of games in quick succession. We played six games. You're going to see two goals. Um, and I think the really, really, really frustrating thing here is um, we'll go we'll go through the games, but you know you would have fancied Saints to have won at least half of these games. That you know it, it's really that, and that's not wishful thinking. They should right. beat Hull. Yeah. For, like you know, absolutely they have to. Hull had the worst away record in the league. Um, we were at home. It had to beat Hull. Yeah. And they don't. And, no. and they weren't even that good. No, I, and Hull City have a lot of problems. And I know um, Marco Silva's improved things th- since he's got there. But, but not away from home, he didn't. No, he's still not, got a point. Not away from home. Um, you know, they still got relegated. Uh, they're terrible at defending all sorts of things. Um, yeah, very, very disappointing not to beat Hull City. Then we go to Anfield. Also, it's another penalty, isn't it? Yeah. Like, we, you know. It was a soft penalty it was given, like the Man United penalty. Yeah. It's a soft, soft penalty. And we just don't look confident. And I wonder if the penalty and who takes penalties is symptomatic of a broader problem amongst that team, which is that there doesn't seem to be really be anyone in charge. Mm. Well, on the pitch. On the pitch. Yeah. So, you know, you've got Shane Long grabbing one. Yeah. You've got Tadic grabbing another. You've got Ward Prowse who I think has never missed one yeah. and he's arguably our best set piece taker not taking them when he's on the pitch. You've got Bertrand. I've seen who, Bertrand score penalties yeah, for Saints before. Yeah. Who has never missed. Um, you've got then Gabby Adini mm. who has a go. Like, who's in charge? Yeah. You know, like, there needs to be someone who goes, I take penalties. That's what I do. And... I don't know, like that Tadic penalty. I think I, I sent a, I sent, I said a note to you about it, and I said it was the most. Say him missing that penalty was the most Saints thing to do. Like if you sum up the season in one go, it's Tadic not being able to beat Jakubovic from twelve yards because <laughs> yeah. it was so obvious. If you just stopped time and said, Tom, do you want to put some money on this? I'd have cleaned my bank account out to put him missing because I was so sure he was going to miss. And this is from the club of Malatissier and Ricky Lambert. We don't miss penalties. No. I, th- I think this is the hardest thing to take, isn't it? Because every time you got a penalty, when it was Latisse or Lambert, you're just like, oh, well, that's a goal. You don't even have to think about it. You're just like, I, I just get to enjoy watching a I score now. I if at some point referees would say, well, there's no point wasting everyone's time taking the penalty. Yeah, we'll, we'll just give you the goal <laughs> and then we can get back on with the game. Um, um, but no. Yeah, penalties were once enjoyable. Um Drew away to Liverpool. I was, you know, relatively happy with that. Good result. Yeah. Liverpool, really good team, really good attacking team. We played well. Yeah. Good result. It's a good, good result. Um, then we have Arsenal at home. And I think, you know, this is the point where you think, right, we want to be attacking more. Yeah. You know, Arsenal were there for the taking. I think it showed, um, and I feel sorry for Clubwell in some ways. And one of the reasons I feel sorry for him is I think, um, not to go on to a point we're going to talk about long. the attack the Arsenal game showed it like we just couldn't score mm. you know like the players just could not score and I think we contrasted it with Sanchez Sanchez yeah. who had one moment to make it who, the only thing Sanchez done until he scored was get hit uh, was take a foul throw yeah uh, which was brilliant by the way <laughs> probably the highlight of the season after the Liverpool game um, and, and then he just gets one moment and he just makes Yoshida and Stevens look like Sunday league players puts them on their arse yeah, and slots very easily past Forster, and and he can do that to a lot of players, Sanchez, yeah, gotcha. and and I think you know that was the point, isn't it? Where in those sort of games, it's the superstar which unlocks it. You know, is is the one that that makes the change. And whereas we've got Taddy like flailing around in the yeah. box, you know, I did, and it's interesting because I suppose if you look back to earlier on the season, Buffal was the kind of player that was supposed to be that guy who can just. He can play in a bad game and do some sort of moment of magic and win the goal, win the game, which he did against Middlesbrough and he did against Sunderland. But that's it. Buffon has, has the quality to do it against much worse teams. Yeah. Sanchez has the quality to do that in any game at any level. And we do not have a player who can do that at any game at any level. No. I, I think, um, and perhaps we'll go on to talk about Buffon. I hope we will. Um, but... 
we just don't seem to have belief the old saints and when i say the old saints i'm not talking about the old saints i'm saying the saints from the season before this one mm. genuinely look like they could beat anyone you know yeah. we went to man united we beat them twice we went to chelsea we beat them we beat them at their place you know we got results against bigger teams um this team you know i think we uh and i don't want to spoil anyone who doesn't know the result against uh manchester united but we didn't beat a single top six side did we this season um and we beat Everton once, so I mean we were poor. Yeah, it, it takes the enjoyment of it, and it's I think it's part of our identity. Being a Southampton fan, is okay. We we know we're not going to win the league. We know we're not going to qualify for the Champions League. But also in the seasons when we would scrape past the forty point mark and just avoid relegation, Marion Parhas away yeah. at, against Everton, and yeah, you I know. Mean, Delhurst Park. We would still beat, you know, one of the big teams. Take a scalp. Yeah. And, yeah, we're not. And I think it's all about belief. Yeah. It's not bad players. No, but it's funny, isn't it, that we basically believe that we can beat any team that is below us in the table, and yet we're convinced, almost going into the game, that we're going to lose to the ones that are higher us in in the table. Um, Anyway, after the the disappointing 2-0 home loss to Arsenal... Um, we then go to Middlesbrough. Change all the players. Change all the players. Um, we were talking about this earlier. You know, I think this was kind of um, you know the last rotation from Puel. He wanted to demonstrate that the players that had been leaving out had been hopeless, and you know Rodriguez wasn't is not up to anything. And Long's not good enough, and yeah. Cesares isn't fit. So I'm just going to put him on here yeah. and show you. And, yeah, and that Southampton side. Well, they got our only win in the last eight games of the Premier League season. And the only goals in the last six. Yeah. Um, good result. Like, yeah. But it's what we should have been doing. Yeah. I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed Redmond's goal in that. Um, I think Long, you know, he hit the bar, didn't he, with his penalties? Scraped, yeah, I mean, scraped that's, the top he's of it. generous, I yeah. think, but he did, yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, Patrick Bamford scored, of course he did. <laughs> Just so predictable. Like, yeah. The guy has, I think he's not scored in four years. No, I, I think like it was that. like 700 and something days. So it was that's more oh, than two years, isn't it? God. But like, I, I just, it was such a sane thing for to do. to forward as well. Yeah. But, and also, if you look like the Shane Long grabbing that penalty, um, they, they almost like had a view, and I, we touched on this a moment ago, like, I'm a bit rubbish at the moment. I can't miss penalties though. Like it's almost like impossible to miss yeah. a penalty. So I'll, I'll take this penalty and I'll get my confidence back. Yeah. Um, but that's not how it works. You still have to beat the goalkeeper. Yeah. Oh, well, um, and actually just get the ball on target, get the ball on target. Um, and again, they just failed. Yeah. Um, nil, nil at home to Manchester United. It's played well. I totally missed this game. Unfortunately, I was, uh, engaged with work. Um, once I saw the results, I decided I wasn't going to watch it back. So you'll have to you'll have to cover this one for me, Tom. Again, Saints played really well. Um, very soft penalty. Like the penalty was one of those like weird like Sunday League penalties. Um, both the way it was given and the way it was taken, I would say. Um, and I think the the game flattered Saints. Uh, the result didn't flatter Saints, but I think a lot of Saints fans came away from it going, "Oh, we played really well." Romero was mad of the match. Oh, yeah, no, look, look how many saves he had to make. He did, but we hit the ball at him a lot. Um, apart from the penalty, and uh, I think James Ward-Prowse's very good shot, um, He all the saves were pretty much square at him. Um, and again, it was another you know, blank sheet at home. On, on this subject of penalties, right? So, I mean, we haven't just been missing the penalties ourselves. People who've been getting penalties against us have not been scoring them either, have they? Because Forster made that brilliant save against Milner. Yep. Which Harry Arter hit the ball into orbit. Yep. Harry Kane missed. Did, yeah, missed from the same penalty yeah. spot. I don't, I, uh, you have to focus on our guys and what is going on there with their mindset when they yeah. step up to that penalty. I would love to see. I just don't see why. James Ward-Prowse isn't taking penalties. Yeah. I don't understand it. And for me, I wonder if it's symptomatic of a lack of control. 
it's it's egos. So it's like Gabby Dini going, I'm taking this penalty. I mean, it's, it's funny with James Ward-Prowse. He probably comes across as maybe the least egotistical football player that you could find. Yeah. He seems so nice and so down to earth and so giving. Well, Prowse said he'd be a perfect son-in-law. Yeah. Which I'm not sure was either... He, everyone said, oh, that's a nice thing to say. But, you know, you probably wouldn't say that about Pogba. No. You wouldn't say that about, about Diego Costa. About Diego Costa, because you know, they're, say they're, they're winners. Slatter, you? you wouldn't, but you know they're winners. Yeah, and I wonder if like it was a a giant, as a, as a, sly, a, dig. a sly dig. Yeah, you know? as in I like the guy, but he needs maybe to he's be too meaner. nice. Yeah. He needs to be meaner. Um. So then we finished the game. Um, I don't think I've missed the last home game at St Mary's for a long time. I decided that. I was give Saints the benefit of the doubt. I didn't think we could go five games at home without scoring, really. There was a little bit of belief for me that made me get my wallet out, get on the train, get my ticket, and, and head down to St. Mary's yesterday. Yeah, you are brave. Yeah. They should give everyone their money back. That's brave. I mean, it was so obvious, wasn't it? It was so um, obvious. Can I tell you what you did? Yeah, yeah, go for it. John put a bet on 1-0, Peter Crouch. Yeah. Which... But those odds are astronomical because it was so obvious what was going to happen. It's, it's one of those things. So I was, I was on the train down. Um, there was this group of Americans who were very excited. They were going to their first Premier League game. and They were like, yeah, it's going to be 4-1 to the Saints. Um, that's my terrible American accent. Apologies to all of our American listeners, um, especially those guys if they, did listen, if they are listening in. Um, and I feel like I should apologise on behalf of the of Southampton as well because, you know, they they were so excited and they're like, oh yeah, you know, um, you know, we follow the Premier League back home. Southampton do really well. They're one of these great attacking sides. They always play good football. We've been, you know, they they're one of those clubs that you just want to go and watch. You know, even if they don't win, you know, you're going to have a good time. And I was just thinking. Yeah, so, I mean, you've probably seen a lot of us over the last four years, but maybe not loads of us this year. It's maybe you've seen the EFL well. Cup final, you know. Um, and, yeah, I didn't I didn't give them my tip for, obviously, the most obvious result is Peter Crouch, ex-player, or the ex-players always score against yeah. us. Um, we're well, not going to concede many goals, so we're they're only going to get one. Probably not going to score. And we're probably not going to score because... We don't score goals anymore. That's old. Yeah. That's old style football scoring goals. You yeah. need to move on, John. I it's know the new, way, the new do you, wave. Do you think goals are overrated? Do you well, think Claude Puel's onto something? Goals don't win games, John. Uh, turgid, terrible, lacklustre cutbacks and uh, and frustrated looking centre forwards win games. Everyone knows that. So let's. I mean, let's dissect this game against Stoke because I think it had all of the things that went wrong in Southampton season in one game. So as well as the numbing inevitability of the ex-player scoring, us not scoring. Um, Against Cedric as well. Yeah. So he must be at least a foot taller than Cedric. Uh, probably two foot feet taller than Cedric. Um, so, there, I mean, there was a moment where a certain section of the Northern stand turned on Claude Puel and... At nil-nil, the atmosphere had been pretty good. So it was pretty jokey, you know, let's pretend we scored a goal. Um, you know, there was a bit of frustration, but it was in the kind of like a friendly way. Then when Crouch scored, a few people had, you know, had enough at that point. Um, you know, I, I should add that I say the crowd turned on Claude Puel. In that stand, you probably had like 80, 90% of people singing for like when the Saints go marching in. The anti Puel chance were probably about fifteen to twenty percent of of the crowd, but they were pretty loud. Still a lot, still a couple of thousand yeah. people. And um, yeah, the the atmosphere really kind of dipped at that point after Croucher scored. But I think probably the most frustrating point was when he took Charlie Austin off for Gabbiadini. You think we are one nil down at home. Um. The worst we can finish is 10th. The best we can finish is 8th. The other results are going our way anyway, pretty much. You know, what, what do you have to lose? You haven't scored at home for five games. So you've got you know, people, let's say on average, have spent, spent 40 quid per ticket for those five games. So 120, 160, 
200 quid they've invested in their last home games and they've not seen a single goal. You've got half an hour to go. Surely that's the point when you just go, fuck it. Let's attack. Yeah. Let's let's just throw the kitchen. Attack, attack, attack. Let's just, main let's just give these guys 30 minutes of excitement. Yeah. And that... Six out of eight games he failed to score towards the end. I think I saw something where if you're a Southampton season ticket holder paying like the average price for a season ticket, you paid £42 a goal. You know, or yeah. like some season ticket fans. Yeah. I, I, I think... I, I kind of admire well because of his like belligerence. And he's like, no... I am going to play this this way. Yeah. We will play one up front. Um, but at the same time, you do think um, either he knows he's going to stay, so he's like, doesn't matter what I do, yeah. or I don't care whether I stay, so therefore I'm going to stick to what I know. Um, but you you do wonder, and we spoke earlier about the dropping of Rodriguez yeah. and Rodriguez's tweet, which obviously Rodriguez is a very nice, polite, well-brought-up young man because he just tweeted like a picture of him training that week saying, trained well all week, gutted to not be involved today. Yeah. Um, when other players probably would have gone a little bit more stronger, um, you know, last game of season, nothing to lose. Um, I, I felt like, again, like we just don't, does he, I think we kind of thought he knew what his strongest team was. But his challenge is his strongest team doesn't seem to be the actual strongest team. No. And I think Gabbiadini, and this was certainly the case in the Man United game, um, does possibly seem to be a bit of a one-trick pony in that, you know, he's not very good in the air. So they kind of, you rely on them getting the ball through to him one-on-one mm. all the time or getting crosses in from the wing. But what, what I don't understand about this, the whole thing with Gabbiadini is... He looks like the kind of player that would be an amazing striker if you had him there partnered with someone, with someone there who is working. Someone, yeah. say let's let's say he can like pick the ball up, lay like it back, and then, and then a, and then go for go on a run. You know, have two people up front. Gavizini is not, you know, to be playing up front as a lone striker. God, it must be depressing with this Saints yeah. side. And he's got really bad body language. The Saints have actually got two players with terrible body language. Nathan Redmond who just spends the entire time haranguing and throwing his hands in the air. Actually, three. Tadic is another one. Actually, we've probably got and the Buffel. worst... And Buffel. We've probably got the worst forward line body language of any team in the world. But Gabby Dini, like, you know, is like, looks like he's miserable. Buffel... Which, uh, I mean, this is something that the Napoli fans did warn us when there was this picture of Gabby Dini signing for the Saints and he just looked totally indifferent. Yeah. And the Napoli fans were kind of saying on Twitter... No, seriously, that's as happy as it. That's that's him looking absolutely ecstatic. <laughs> it's a weird way to be, but we've just got like a. And I think you know we're, we're like Gabbiadini. He does. They try and chip the ball through. It doesn't go through, and his yeah. hands are in the air. I mean, he he did have a good chance against um, State, but he only yeah. had one chance. And I think you know you got to give strikers lots and lots of chances. Unless they're an Aguero, yeah. And let's face it, there's probably only about five of those. But in the Aguero's. World. They get lots and lots of chances. They're yeah. in a side which creates lots and lots of chances. Graziano Pella did very well at the Saints. He got create. He he had a lot of chances created for him. Tadic was playing some of the best football of his, of his you know that I've ever seen Tadic play when he was playing with Pella. Mane would just like terrify defenders, and and he got mm. lots of chances. I don't necessarily think Pella is maybe as good as Gabbiadini. I I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Gabbiadini, but the few moments that we have seen of him suggest there is. Yeah, you know, really special a player really there. Good player there, but I don't know whether the I don't know. I think they look lost. The whole team yeah. looks lost. I think to almost to a man, apart from Romeo, yeah, um, and probably Stevens and Yoshida, um, they kind of look a bit lost. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is very. Um, it's a very weird time to be a Saints fan. Yeah, so. There's our season. Um, I think, you know, you say, start of the season, would you be happy with eighth and a cup final and beating Inter Milan? Absolutely, yes. And beating Liverpool at their place. But we've just gone through that list and it's, it's, been, it's been a pretty miserable experience. Well, yeah, mean, how did we get 46 points? Who did we actually beat to get to 46 points? Like, how did we get to 46 points and... Get one point against Hull. Mm. Um, you know, how do we get to 46 points and draw home to Sunderland? 
to lose away at Burnley, to get three points off Swansea, like every team, we kind of, we were just a bit rubbish. Did we do the double over anyone this season? Uh, there was one, I think. Who was Middlesbrough, it? probably. Yeah, yeah definitely, Middlesbrough. That definitely it, yeah. did Middlesbrough. Uh, at this point, I think it makes sense to take a break in our end-of-season review. So that will be the uh, end of part one. We've gone through pretty much every game we've played through uh, this season. And I'll be picking up the rest of mine and Tom's conversation in part two, which will be out in a couple of days' time. And here you'll be able to hear our thoughts on Claude Powell, um, whether he'll be staying or leaving. And also we get on to the very hotly coveted and hotly contested Saints FC Podcast Awards. So make sure you uh, download part two and find out who's won all of that. Um, And of course, please make sure you like and subscribe to the Saints FC Podcast. Get onto iTunes, give us a review. If you want to get in, in touch on Twitter, it's at Saints FC Podcast. And if you want to email us, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. So we'll speak again in a couple of days. Ta-ta for now.